0: Particularly wow well, no. I was just gonna throw my mom under the bus for not being able to cook but I don't wanna do Going <laughs> up, maybe that has something to do with it. Yeah. Sorry,
1: Delinda. Um Anyway, how are we gonna open the actual pod? Alright, we've got me started. Okay. <laughs> Can't help myself. We're talking post offices. I hate post offices. I hate banks and I hate post offices. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Syntax Podcast. Today we are doing the second in our quick hit series. Still kind of a new idea for us, but it's basically a chance for Fernando, Matt, and me to vent about some things we're thinking about, or just ideate together, uh, kind of talk over some things that are on our minds. So, I'm Ethan.
2: I'm Fernando, and I'm wondering if ideate is a word.
1: (laughs) And I'm Matt, and I do think it is. Wow. All right. So two-thirds of society says ID8 is a word. <laughs> Big success so far. This is just a
0: preview of what you'll get in this episode.
1: So keep listening. <laughs> well, I think with that, we've lost all our <laughs> listeners. All right. <clears throat> you
2: can you can go ahead and kick us off to the yeah? non-existent
1: audience. Cool. Okay. So I think the first thing that I'd like to talk about is... Uh, Maybe maybe a little controversial, but what should be the rules around being respectful to musicians that are in public places where you really don't want them? So I have several times walked to the coffee shop across the street from my apartment. And while I was in there, sitting at a table that I selected when I first sat down, a musician has come in and set up uncomfortably close to me and begun playing music. Now I go to the coffee shop because it's a coffee shop, not a bar, and i want to sit there with the earphones in and do work and people don't seem to realize that and i'm sure would be offended if i had earphones in sitting two feet from the musician one time i was there and people gathered around me to watch the musician and i felt like if i wanted to leave it was going to be quite the scene for me to stand up (laughs) in the middle of a crowd and be like i've had enough of this and i'm walking out of your establishment but at the same time like isn't this kind of the thing about businesses? Like, they market themselves with a purpose. Coffee shops, not for listening to live music. They're for doing things. All right, thoughts?
2: Yeah, so I think it's worth considering the possibility that um, everyone else has a different idea of what a coffee shop should be. Like- All right, well, I disagree. Maybe, maybe I think that a bar should be a place that I can quietly sip a pint of beer and read a book. And if everyone
0: disagrees, like, am I right and they're all wrong, or is it vice versa? I um I yeah. Well, I I was just gonna jump in there and say that like I feel like that image of what a bar is um probably is a little different than what most people's <laughs> image of what a bar is. Uh, not that I wouldn't enjoy that kind of bar. I think that that sounds great. But I uh, I'm kind of with Ethan <laughs> on this, and I think uh, of just expressing like a lot of frustration with live music playing. And I think part of it is is just because like. Um, I, uh, probably in the last maybe a couple weeks, I've seen that to the extreme where um, you're allowed to just go into restaurants uh, whenever you want in Colombia and start playing. Like there, it's not like we hired a musician to come in. It's like someone walks in and <laughs> trying to make some money, and so you're sitting there like this could be a coffee shop, whatever. Like headphones in, trying to do work, and someone goes in, starts playing like really loud right in front of you, one song, and then like your, your headphones are in, and then presents their hands out for money, and and you're like, well, I. I, 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 You're kind of stuck, and it's awkward, and it's weird, but... I didn't ask for any Yeah, of this. <laughs> and it, it's a really, you know, like, sympathize with what they're trying to do, but it really is a huge nuisance a lot of the time when you're trying to do something else. So I very much agree with, with the frustration you're expressing there, Ethan. I
1: if, appreciate your agreement, but now, with that as, like, the benchmark, I feel like my situation is much less irritating.
2: Yeah, so I guess, like, the difference is, hypothetically, or at least the way you can describe a situation, if... And I agree. Like, I like to go to coffee shops, I think, for similar reasons that Ethan does, to work or relax or have a conversation with a couple friends or a friend. And I think in the situation you describe, it sounds like there are other people who thought that the music was a good thing. So it's not like Matt's situation where, like, it seems pretty obvious to all concerned that this is not what we want here. It seems that based on the reactions that you described, other people
1: perhaps wanted to have music in the coffee shop. Yeah, well, that's fair, right? But, uh, I mean, that happened Not that that we're in the interest of being fair, too. two, Two other times that I've been there, no one wanted the music, for sure. Like, I was watching people around me, and a few times people have, like, as the music has continued, as, like, the person standing in the middle of the coffee shop singing has just refused to go away, people have begun to remove their earphones begrudgingly, and I have watched their facial expressions. So I don't feel that I'm alone in this. And I, I do think that like this probably negatively affects the coffee shop, but the response loop isn't fast enough, and so they're not going to figure out that this is driving people away until too late. It has driven me away. I will say I've stopped going to that coffee shop. And on EthanSwan.com slash coffee shops, their review has been demoted.
0: Wait, I, I can't believe the response time hasn't been quick enough. If you have a bad review on <laughs> EthanSwan.com,
1: it is hard to believe. I know.
2: Yeah, I think, um, so so that's true. I was, um, yeah, I don't really, can't really defend that situation. (laughs) Uh
1: Aha. A win for me. (laughs) Fernando, what you got? got?
2: Okay. I'm going to risk possibly doing something that's actually informative here. (laughs) And if that's not in the spirit of quick hits, we can always edit this out. But I've been wondering for a long time about using 4g on my phone versus Wi Fi to do stuff like bank transactions and to me, it seems like and I don't have a good understanding of the hardware of networks, it seems to me that a four G communication is between me and the cell tower, and that the cell tower would need to be compromised for other users to like get on my access my the information that I'm transmitting. Whereas on Wi Fi, especially at a public place, anyone who's on that same router, depending on the security settings and their level of access, could read what I'm transmitting. So it seems to me that, as a general rule, unless you know how secure a certain Wi-Fi network is, the safest way to do stuff like banking is on 4G. How
1: how correct of an answer do we want here? (laughs) Because I I can tell you. So uh, if you you are on a site that has HTTPS, you are pretty close to, like, as secure as you're going to get, regardless of your connection. As long as you can tell that it's not an imposter, like it's not like somebody simulating your bank website. So sometimes you'll see that like your bank will say, like, here's your security image that you put or something. As long as you can verify it is that website and you're on HTTPS, it's pretty close to provably impossible for somebody to intercept your information. Now, if you're not on HTTPS, then this comes into much more scrutiny because in that case, yeah, Wi-Fi is much less secure. Um, but but like I am not an expert in four G. Like I think it is still popular. It is still possible to compromise four G. It's just way more complicated. And you're right. There's like a single source of information for between you and the rest of the internet. So it's a cell tower that would need to be compromised.
2: Right. So as far as HTTPS, like my concern is that ethanswan.com is not an HTTPS website.
1: And right. So and when you my, send me your credit cards, yeah, I understand. For my
2: important coffee shop review browsing,
0: I, I wanted to make sure that it remains clear.
1: Once I put up the paywall, <laughs> it's going to be a much bigger issue. Well,
0: here's the one thing that I understand: is it's called four G, but it only has one G in four G.
1: Well, we have strayed too far into the informative section, haven't we? <laughs> but you can't argue with this fact. So just for the sake of a little more information before we give up on that entirely, the way that this happens is is via something called a man-in-the-middle attack, which is basically where somebody gets between you and the internet provider and, like, pretends they're a Wi-Fi network, basically. So you connect to their Wi-Fi network that looks like the coffee shop's Wi-Fi network or something, and then they broadcast all the information from the coffee shop's Wi-Fi off into your phone and then back from your phone into the Wi-Fi. But in the middle, they pick at all the information and they, like, extract things that they're interested in. HTTPS makes that basically impossible, but HTTP, it's totally doable. So really what you're supposed to do, and that's what I do, is pay for a VPN service, which is, like, if you get a good one, it's, like, not free. It's, like, 80 bucks every two years for a good one. And so I pay for an actual VPN and I only log on to my bank and things like that using a VPN if I'm on public Wi-Fi. So that is, like, the correct, correct, correct answer
2: interesting did not know yeah.
1: most of that yeah vpns that's what you gotta use all right matt okay topic so
0: one thing i'd like to uh <laughs> wow
2: <laughs> that was a smooth transition
0: Matt, topic all right well um one thing i'd like to um take this opportunity to discuss or or vent about maybe i don't know where this is necessarily going here is is the way in which people move about on the streets in Medellin. so, um, so like they walk really, really slow, which is fine. It's you know kind of a laid back, like chill. Um, it's not fine. You know, yeah, well, but fine. but here here's the paradox. This is the thing: is they walk slow, and I'm like, you know what? This is cultural difference. I'm just gonna like, you know, speed zigzag, speed walk through all of them. <laughs> but then there's another thing, which is when they get to the metro and there's waiting in line for the metro. They'll kind of form these informal lines, and then when the Metro doors is open, it doesn't matter if there is obviously plenty of room for everyone uh, or if, um, you know, maybe we could just all form, like, just kind of go in. They all just swarm the Metro. So it's this weird thing where people move really, really slowly, but then anytime there's, like, some sort of competition where, like, um, we are all going to behave in a uh, – and, and, and just like mad men sometimes people just swarm so there are really no rules with lines here um and it's it just it's just rather strange and i i haven't really understood it because it's this weird like when people are out if if they were in a hurry they would walk much faster but then when there's situations like uh, metro situations and everyone just storms the place it's this weird like herd mentality that I don't really understand
1: but that's that's uh, oh I understand it Matt. So what happens is when no one benefits from deviating from their current choice, it's called a Nash equilibrium.
0: <laughs> I think it's exactly what it is, uh, but it's a Nash equilibrium that that I don't feel like I'm maximizing my utility in as I get run over by like four foot six Columbia people yeah. on the metro. It's it's the opposite of a Nash equilibrium because everyone would
2: benefit from yeah. everyone as from well as calming down. whether it was done collectively or as individuals they would benefit from changing their so, behavior. So this
1: is pretty interesting. Does this like this kind of mob behavior manifest itself in other parts of Colombian society that you've seen? Um,
0: and, you know, uh, you're putting me on the spot here. I'd have to I'd have to spend some time uh, really preparing, like I have prepared all my other points for this episode, <laughs> uh, before I'd be able to give you a straight answer on that. Um, hmm.
1: No, that's all right. If it doesn't jump out, it probably isn't like that, because I feel like that sort of thing, you don't see it ton in america maybe there's some examples that i'm missing but in general like there's there's a lot of social pressure to not come off as too eager for things in america and so you don't like jump in front of people in line even when it benefits you Uh, which is interesting because like I don't know like apparently we care a lot about social pressure because it would be nice to get in front of line in front of the line but people just don't do it but that that makes sense
0: the way that works because it's like okay we're maximizing how fast we move when it doesn't compromise any kind of uh, social agreeability. So when you're walking down the sidewalk, you're walking fast because it has really minimal impact on how people perceive you socially. But in a line, that's not the case. There's a much smaller gain from jumping someone in line and a much bigger loss when it comes to social agreeability. So it, it, it's just the exact yeah. opposite here. So that's all I got.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. That is a good case. I don't know. That's really, yeah, that's a good way of, good, pretty objective way of looking at it. I bet there's some kind of cultural reason around like, like the metro or something where there you know there were fewer seats or something at one point. I, I wonder if there's like a historical reason that we can't figure this out without knowing how it developed that way.
0: Yeah. I mean I will say that uh during like, you know, times of high traffic, uh, man, that place is packed. And I, I, I've never thought of myself as being very tall until really I got down here. And I am so <laughs> thankful that I am the height that I am because it allows me some breathing room. Like above a lot of the people around me in those situations. Quite literally. Um, Because, uh, which this will follow with my next point, people down there are a lot more comfortable being very close together um, than I think we're used to in the States. But I'm not taking two in a row here, so I'll pass this one off to you, Ethan.
1: That is pretty funny. Didn't you feel tall that one time we played basketball a bunch against a bunch of uh, like fifteen-year-olds when you visited last? Year? Wait, when when
0: one of the fifteen-year-olds accused me of
1: goaltending on an eleven-foot um, <laughs> basket. That that was the guy who told us his name was Tree. <laughs> I guess I did. He feel was tall then. in his defense. He was pretty good actually, but he he talked a lot. I don't know. He uh, let's see for. What's that? Uh, I, I was just going to talk trash about this
0: 15-year-old on our podcast. So, <laughs> all right. Well, I so
1: guess, you go guess on. we'll cut this part out. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, um, I want to I wanna make a pretty, I don't know, potentially cross-generationally cross-gener- contentious point backed up with very little data. Although I have encountered the data. I just didn't write it down because I didn't think of it. So uh, there's a lot of backlash to the current way people communicate particularly on social networks as like millennials and generation z goons just like talk in really poor vocabulary and really short sentences and it's like destroying the language um but i've been thinking more and more about this and i i just think that's like a completely incorrect characterization of what's happening in fact like twitter is a good example of if you look around some of the most creative uses of language that we have anywhere and as we've expanded twitter up to 280 characters i think that's gotten worse but forcing people to write in 140 characters has, has caused some like really interesting ways of communicating and people just taking to... a
2: picture of a longer blurb of text okay that's it. a
1: great example <laughs> of a bad a bad way of cheating the system but like people finding ways to chain together ideas in multiple tweets would make sure the tweets make some sense standing alone and abbreviating language in ways that is actually effective. So what it reminds me of is the episode of The Office where Kevin decides that he can drop all adjectives and, I think, verbs. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's adjectives and uh, adverbs. But he just starts speaking, and Jim is like, Kevin, it's taking longer for us to understand you this way than you're saving time in your sentences. But it's the opposite on Twitter, because like, if you don't create a compelling narrative, you don't like communicate an idea in an interesting way, people are not going to listen to you and engage with you and twitter is all based on the feedback loop of like people wanting to engage with you i think overall like we are in a situation where you don't always have to listen to your neighbor who comes over for tea every day like you have the option to choose whose ideas you listen to and it's actually fostering more interesting writing the problem is that it's just too easy to find really bad writing and so we focus on like junk and, of course, individually, pieces of Twitter and pieces of Snapchat and pieces of even, like, the tiny things people put on Facebook look like total garbage. But it's just everything's more available to us, and it was harder to find this garbage writing 20 years ago. So, anyway, and monologue. But I'd be interested in what you guys think about that. Okay, I, just,
0: I would just like to push back a little bit on it because I will say I do appreciate the part of Twitter where you have to write tweets that stand alone when you're stringing together a longer narrative so that you can really uh, get rid of... Um, Fluff sentences, but I kind of feel like a lot of times for me, it's like the Kevin thing. I have to Google these acronyms because I don't know what they mean on Twitter. Like, I learned it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Fernando's giving me this look like, "Who are you?" Like my grandpa. To be fair, I don't but, use
1: Twitter, so like, no, he's like there are some weird ones I've had this happen. But
0: even like really basic ones, like the other day I googled T I L. Now I feel like TIL, I did is, this just two yeah, weeks ago. Today I learned. And then the other one that like pops in my mind that I can't remember what it means, but I know people use it is F W I W. What is F FWIW?
1: I use that all the time. It's for what it's worth. For but but
0: but that 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 doesn't make sense to me because that also is kind of like. If I have to
1: Google it, then that just adds time to the whole situation. I don't know. So here's what I would point out about both of those acronyms. In both cases, you can digest the rest of the content of the sentence without knowing the acronym. If you say, for what it's worth, I think Twitter has improved the quality of writing, but you say FWIW and someone misses that, Twitter has improved the quality of writing, like, is a standalone thought. And the same thing is true of Today I Learned. It's like, if you omit the Today I Learned, it's just a fact. In fact, a lot of the things on Twitter are just, like, random throw-ins. Like, a lot of these abbreviations are just sort of, like, modifiers of a sentence that can stand alone anyway. I, again, think that that's a case for a strength in the writing, actually. Well,
0: but I I would agree with that with Today I Learned. With For What It's Worth, I I feel like I don't think it's the same thing. If you were to say with For What It's Worth and With That, I think there's a significant difference. Because if you say For What It's Worth, it's like, if you tweet it out. Our president is, or I think our president is bad. That is a very direct statement, but if you tweet it out for what it's worth, I think our president is bad, that implies that you said a bunch of things that would imply that you think our president is good. Um, like I, I think it communicates. Yeah, I'm not sure I agree I, with really? I, well, what, what yeah. would you. What would you say? Or I use my president just because people tweet about him all the time, but really anything. I would, use for I what would it's say worth. that in,
2: in that situation, both of those, um, both ways of phrasing it come off as. I have a pretty strong feeling on this, and this is my feeling. Mm. And what do you I, say, for what it's worth, doesn't change that. See,
0: this is just proof of the demise of
1: the English language talking with you two right <laughs> no, now. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I think the case I would make is, if you could spell it out because you've in the tweet, it's worth doing it. But in a lot of these cases, like that's the least valuable information in the message of 140 characters. It's basically... I would consider it analogous to connotations and denotations of words. You can't give up the denotation and you want the connotation. Like, you want people to be able to pick that up, but it takes more skill and nuance to know the connotation, just as in these abbreviations. But if if somebody's going to lose something, it's better to lose the connotation than the denotation.
0: Right, but the argument at the beginning is that we're, we're really not losing much. I feel like we're losing something, or at least... I'm I think trying we're to losing use...
1: something in 140 characters versus a book. But I think that the net... In that is a gain it takes me so little time to consume 140 characters and people are getting very efficient with the use of those characters is part of my case i think there's more but that's part of it
0: i will support this when the google chrome google translate extension uh supports <laughs> translating what the acronyms are
2: which probably is not too far off the afterlife people
1: man lame. i uh i don't know so i'm reading this book right now that i think we might do a syntax review of called dataclysm probably correctly pronounced dataclysm to make it sound like cataclysm discus Uh, discus yeah (laughs) um but he actually the author of that book actually does an analysis of the vocabulary vocabulary used on twitter and shows that there's actually more vocabulary variation than you would expect in like a, a book even in like the last 20 to 100 years he goes over several decades and it would indicate that people are actually using a broader uh, span of words, which shows that, like, people are able to dive more deeply into their fields. Like, they're able to get more into like, subject-specific vocabulary and a couple other things like that. And maybe, maybe my case to support this is weak, but I think overall this is – I feel pretty strongly that this is true.
0: Okay.
2: <laughs> I will uh, – maybe one day I'll start using Twitter and we'll – return
1: with my thoughts mm. or f-w-i-w-t-i-l fernando is not using twitter right now
2: or ethan and matthew can just continue giving me my personal personally curated twitter
1: yeah so by just fernando that are worth... mm. fernando one time made the mistake i say this for the listeners fernando one time made the mistake of revealing that he feels he doesn't need to get a twitter because i share good tweets with him and, and he substantially it reduced all. my it number of shared all. tweets <laughs> Oh. we need it. we need him on the twitter so i just had to do it yes it has been it has been rough all right um fernando you have a topic you want to go to uh yeah i will stick to the theme of
2: computer security which has nothing to do with what we we're just talking about but it has to do with my earlier topic and we'll rant about stupid commercials for computer security like I don't even know what a computer se- like. I couldn't even name a computer security company McAtonne. off the top of my head. Norton sure. antivirus. I'm pretty sure I've seen zero TV commercials for Norton antivirus, but the little pop up thing keeps coming on my notifications. So, they always have these videos of like people in a dark command center looking room, like furiously typing at keyboards, while some sketchy looking guy in a beanie is typing away on another keyboard somewhere else, and the good guys in the suits in the command center type their line of code just a little bit faster and stop the sketchy guy in a beanie before he can execute his code. And I know very little about coding, but I am so certain this is not how it works. And I understand that there's marketing value in making things seem dramatic, but I think there's also marketing value in not completely misrepresenting what you as a company do.
1: I don't know if there's marketing value to it. I think there's probably a lot of marketing value to what they're doing because it makes people. It's it's preying on the yeah. Thing, I can't basically.
2: name one of these ads, like one of the companies of these ads, because I'm too busy stealing at the
1: stupidity of it. Well, because question. you know that it's dumb, and you're not being, you know, you're not hooked into clicking. But I think I think a lot of people are like, oh, I mean, no. not me, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I you know.
0: definitely have to dramatize stuff like cybersecurity to get. The majority of people who don't care about tech to pay attention and why and to prove kind of its relevance in, in a kind yeah. of um, dystopian sci-fi way.
1: Yeah, right. it's unfortunate though, right, because like people are horrible at cybersecurity. Like the more I learn about it, the more I'm like, wow, people do this so badly. But one of the worst possible ways, just even from a time perspective, if they were free, One of the worst ways to secure your computer and your personal data is to use like Norton and McAfee. Like they're almost useless. These are not actually what you need to be doing. Like what you need to be doing is a variety of like network related things basically. And we don't need to get into them, but like these are, it is good that people are becoming more aware of what they need to do, but they're becoming, they're like actively being misled. (laughs) They're getting dumber, not smarter.
2: And yes, I think, when uh, syntax has a budget and we have infinite time, so you'll never see this listener. Sorry. We should do a feature where each of us produces commercials for a given topic. And we see what each one of them looks like. And Ethan's is going to be like five bullet points of facts. And that'll yeah. be the whole commercial. It's going to be really riveting.
1: It's how my PowerPoints go work. There's but but
2: to be powers. fair, like for something like, in all seriousness, for something like computer security, which can have very tangible and honestly, like pretty measurable effects.
1: Like, that's not the worst thing no you just got to get people the information and then they have to actually care which is impossible with old people anybody over 50 if you could if you try to explain to them that like their electronics are worth more than 15 dollars, they just reject it out of hand with no consideration
2: even like, is, i didn't have one of those 20 even years ago. is uh, really crusading for our generation which i will not criticize because i do the same thing and occasionally have a big chip on my shoulder towards people who talk about our
1: generation so i will yeah i will go to bat for our generation in general i don't think that they're great but i think that there's a, uh i mean this totally strays off the current topic but there's a feeling literally every generation that the next yes. generation is like yes. worse and it's just stupid it's just get off my lawnism there's like in fact every generation by most tangible metrics actually gets better at things so it's just
0: Done. well but that that doesn't include the generation that's after us though like we're <laughs>
1: yeah, that's true they will actually be worse than <laughs> <laughs> okay right. okay generation z so annoying so entitled oh man their tweets are so hard to read <laughs> i don't understand the lingo
0: um okay well yeah. I'll, I'll i'll jump into yeah. another one here so um uh, one thing that is hilarious to watch to watch and not participate in down here is the, is the custom of, of um, and listeners yeah I've I mentioned this uh, of, of living in Columbia a couple times but uh, so a lot of this pulls from that but one of the customs here is like oh when you like um, say goodbye to like a girl or you like see a girl that you know you kiss her on the cheek um and so that's just like what you get used to doing and and i really actually kind of like the thing you know before coming down here you know like i never kissed a girl and now i've kissed at least three girls <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, uh,
1: No, but the the, great sales pitch for columbia we were talking about commercials. You need to make a commercial to move to Colombia. Oh,
0: man. It would be great. But but the, the funny thing to watch is watching two Americans here say goodbye to each other and they don't know what to do. And it is so funny except when you're one of the Americans <laughs> doing it because it's this weird, like, do we go in for a hug or do we, like, kiss on the cheek thing? Um, and And I have directly bumped my forehead into <laughs> – <laughs> Uh, multiple people's foreheads not understanding whether we're going for a hug or not Uh, so I I don't know that's just just something I just feel like I wanted to bring up that's so good
1: Do you guys remember when, like, the bro hug was first catching on? And, like, not everybody knew exactly what it was, but the people who did just expected you to know. And so there was a lot of, like, where does my hand go? And, like, do our chests touch? Or do we just, like, kind of tap shoulders? And there was a lot of, like, collision of things that should not have collided. Just very uncomfortable.
2: I don't know why you had a phrase like that, Ethan. But a couple of thoughts on this is, like, even despite the fact that the bro hug is, like, more established technology these days, There's still, I think, a lot of times when two guys who know each other not particularly well but a little bit approach each other or are taking leave from each other, there's kind of this, like, visual analysis that's going on. Like, where is his hand? Like, does it look like he's going for a bro hug or, like, a handshake or a hug? Like, I think there is an unspoken, a lot of unspoken information processing that happens as two guys um, greet each
1: other. That's very true. That's and, why... Oh, yeah. keep going. No, keep going.
2: Well, not exactly related, but something that I found pretty interesting for a while is um, I I was born in the Philippines, moved to New Jersey, um, so did not live in a particularly Filipino community. And there are a lot of different backgrounds where I grew up. Like, there are um, Italian-Americans, a lot of Hispanic immigrants, and obviously my parents are Filipino. And it's interesting just getting used to, like, some people's parents, like, some of my friends' moms, I would greet with a kiss on cheek, and some would be a hug, some would be a handshake, and that was, I mean, not that I ever reached any particularly useful conclusions, but I always thought it was interesting to see patterns that people of different cultures, even in, like, um, you know, even, like, towards a kid, like, 10-year-old kid or whatever, there's different patterns of how to greet and say goodbye to people and it's just an interesting thing to become attuned to and um useful in the sense that i think it's been a while since i've bumped foreheads with someone
0: it, it's kind of the original uh, til and fwiw it's just <laughs> I trying just to understand that, how yeah. people yeah how people interact interpersonally in in the real world the real but, question uh, is yeah.
1: what do you think it would take to like start a new one of those because oh. i i personally have just been pioneering a new thing so at work when i have meetings with clients i always do the the kiss on the cheek like quick, quick <laughs> drive. we bumped foreheads the first couple of times but now we've gotten a lot closer
0: man I, I had a buddy down here who swore when he went back to the states that he was going to keep kissing girls on the cheek and i was like man this is <laughs> this is not going to end well for you if that's going to be your greeting every single time <laughs> Okay. So
2: I think when you're talking about how hard is it to start that, it all depends on what what circle of people you're yeah. doing with. Like, if you're in a very insular, uh, like, you always hang out with the same extended circle, very easy. In, like, actual life,
0: eh, I, I I do actually. think it is worth pointing out that there is a pattern to the kiss on the cheek where you always kiss on the left side of their face, which was really good because it would pose... Uh, some yes. difficulties <laughs> if that was like an option if you were never really sure on which side of the face like the two people are going to kiss on the cheek that's true it, it was it was yeah. uh... and it really is more like touching cheeks than 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 like a true kiss but <laughs> i appreciate all the detail <laughs> right i just feel like
2: ethan's a lot more prepared for his next set
0: travels <laughs> yeah like yeah. i think this kind of detail is is important to our listeners in our in our latest uh um, feedback poll we did, they specifically <laughs> mentioned this, so I just thought I'd give give them
1: that. <laughs> Got it. Very yeah. helpful. Okay. I I have another topic. This is this is a quick one. But I'm sure pretty much everyone who's listening to this has had the misfortune of going to a restaurant. I think restaurants terrible experience. Almost across the board. I mostly go to them because other people I know enjoy restaurants more than eating over my sink with me. But uh the problem with restaurants is well. can i tell
2: a funny can i tell a funny ethan story <laughs> okay so senior year, i was at his apartment and his girlfriend was over and they were cooking together it was super cute i believe they were making craft macaroni and cheese yeah
1: that's and
2: correct. ethan was extremely stumped because he thought all macaroni was easy mac and well
1: because macaroni is junk food why does it take long to make it right you can't so possibly craft, justify that making
2: craft macaroni and cheese is basically making pasta it is make, it is making
1: pasta wow. except pasta another junk food that takes too long making
2: the cheese is maybe even more complicated than just throwing cheese on top so i do understand your frustration but um <laughs> it
1: was wait do you not know the end of this story oh it, it did the pot overflow yeah, the pot overflowed because I didn't know you were supposed to put the cheese in after or something. I still don't know <laughs> how because I've never made it again. I was so annoyed. Um, I put in the cheese at the wrong time and the pot overflowed and I had cheese all over my kitchen. It also might just be that boiling water overflows sometimes. No, I, I am almost certain I put it in in the wrong order. That's but, also very likely. Yes. With that established, I it, it should be noted that I don't really like restaurants. So we can <laughs> we can get over that hurdle. But... Um, one thing that really gets me about restaurants is like so much of the restaurant experience is based on traditions and it's just like, it wouldn't be proper to not do it this way. And a good example of that is that waiters and waitresses are expected to memorize the specials of the day, which is obviously insane. And all the time the waiter or waitress would be like, uh, today's special, um... And then they think for a second and then either they say it or they pull out a notebook in their back pocket or something. Why don't you just carry the notebook around? like? reduce any possibility of messing this up i mean i i waited tables once many many years ago and consistently forgot what people had ordered and would keep going back outside and asking them over and over (laughs) what they actually wanted and so i've been here and i've thought about this why can't we just carry the notebooks around it doesn't make any sense and i i've just gotten very annoyed in my last couple visits one time i had a, a waitress who had forgotten the specials and had to go back to the kitchen and i was like i don't even care anymore just like just give me a menu of like eight things you can make and that's all i want Wow, that was a big hit. No, I see so so much agreement.
2: (laughs) So uh, I think that there are waiters and restaurants where people just, like, use notebooks, you know, and, like, they don't try to memorize your order, and they, like, approach your table, take the notebook out and go, you know? There are some, yeah. That's not unheard of. And I think it's – well, so I think the rationale, which is not particularly good for them trying to memorize it, is that people think that it improves the – um like the comfortableness of the interaction if your waiter's not referring to a notebook. But we know that's not true because I've never felt uncomfortable that a waiter is like writing down my order. If anything, it makes me feel more comfortable because a lot when I was in the airport and I ordered a hot dog with no mustard, they put mustard on it. If they had yeah, written exactly. down, Just write be an it issue. down it does not make the interaction that much more awkward. So I'm not against the thinking of like let's do what we can to make it more personable like i'm there is value in a good relationship with the staff of where you're working whether that's like you know if you like a bartender or a waiter or whoever the manager is but we also need to ask the question do these things that we think make it worse actually make it worse
1: totally agree
0: well, I'll take your uh, your quick hits, Ethan, and I'll just jump right on top of this train here, because I had a quick hits that I was thinking about that was along the same track here, but Wait, maybe uh, a step I need, further. I need
1: to burst your bubble before we begin, just, just to be clear that the singular of quick hits is quick hit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, man. carry on. You guys don't understand language. Either way. <laughs> <laughs> when you're a two-language speaker like Matt, <laughs> exactly. these things just when don't matter. A,
0: what would what would like one language and a half be called? Like one
1: more
2: language
0: than I speak. <laughs> you should speak half a language. A quick Hits. Okay. Oh. Um, we we've just we've just moved it. We've we've established quick hits as such a uh, a pure form of delivery of a podcast that has now moved it into its own genre and defers to be, and and deserves to be treated as a proper noun. Uh, That's a good point. It's
1: descriptivism hard. at its finest. You might say exactly.
0: Okay, but. Uh, Either way, this quick hit, one might say, uh, is that, listen, if if I have already eaten food once today, why do I have to eat food again? Because...
1: (laughs) (laughs) This complaint directed at biology. (laughs)
0: Like, I should, honestly, why... Why aren't humans like, I don't know, other animals where we could just eat like one massive meal for the week, like store it up in fat and then not eat again? Because it's like, like just like two hours, then I'm hungry again. And then I got to think like, what I got to do for food. And I mean, it's like the, you know, I'm out in the jungle out here. I'm not out in the jungle, but uh, I I don't know. I just really wish I didn't have to do that. Um, So my solution to that is, uh, well, I mean, (laughs) I still have to eat quite frequently. But uh, a buddy turned me on to this. Uh, so shout out to Andy if uh, if you're listening to this. Uh, but uh, you just buy a shit ton of quinoa and beans at the beginning of the week and just make a massive bowl of beans and quinoa. And then you have like, I don't know, 20 meals the rest of the week. And then you pour hot sauce, uh, different kinds of hot sauce each time you eat it, different flavors. You never have to think about what you're going to eat. And it's really quick and nutritious.
1: So. Well, OK, I was, I was waiting for you to say nutritious so I can object.
0: no that an that is a fact
1: i will say i i was initially very dismissive of this point and at the end i was kind of dismissive again when you told us your plan but in the middle i was sold (laughs) because i do agree was that there i do agree that it is a little unfair that like lions can just go hunt (laughs) one hyena you know i gotta hunt like an eighth of a hyena every two hours it's just a lot of work i just want to eat one hyena one morning and just not worry about it for several days it would just be so much more convenient to be fair i mean exactly i think like we're saying that we can't
2: do that but have you ever attempted to eat one hyena per day like it's not <laughs> a bad system
1: <laughs> i don't know though because like <clears throat> maybe this is just because of the way we're raised and we always do eat multiple meals it seems like humans are prone to great lethargy after yes. big meals like, like, huge lethargy and, like, very great discomfort. And so that leads me to believe we're not designed to to do this Well, it seems to discourage you.
2: So two ways of looking at this. One is that, if anything, that's more of an argument for having one huge meal so that your period of tiredness and food coma is once during the day instead of, like, three times a day like I have after every major meal. And yeah, so okay. you could make the argument that's more practical in that sense. But yeah this would reflect probably some sort of physiological um disinclination to processing large amounts of food at once like yeah it it probably does but man i'm interesting that you phrased the just interesting about the whole interested about the whole question in general because it totally seems like an ethan topic that like um, (laughs) like instead of enjoying our meals we should just pack a really boring bag of food that we can eat throughout the whole day. And I feel like you're, you struck me as the type of person who would enjoy the process of meals a little bit. I, I love meals. I love meals. I would, if we could have more meals per day, I would advocate for that heavily.
0: I also—I yeah. just could not, I, I could not relate to that. I, I don't, I'm not a foodie It might've been because neither, well, Particularly, well, I'm just, no. I was just gonna throw my mom under the bus for not being able to cook,
1: but I don't do not do Going up, maybe that
0: has something to do with it. Yeah. Sorry, Delinda. Um,
1: <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm Man, with you, I, Matt. I'm totally in on this. It's it's just a waste of time having to like sit down and eat. It's like uh, it's not that good. We we got to get past this. I truly
2: enjoy the process of eating, and I think that, um, on a practical level, in terms of like avoiding the food coma if you pack your lunch every day and like, it's way more practical to pack the same amount in two different containers and have one at like 1030 and one at 230. Um, And on the topic of meals and language, can we talk about how like at some point there was a phrase packing your lunch, which referred to, you know, like packing your lunch. And then people started doing CrossFit and then it became meal prepping. Like we already had a phrase
1: for this. No, meal these prepping, aren't the same thing. Is, no, those, those don't mean the same, the same thing. thing. Well, they're, they're not the same because meal prepping is only used in the context of prepping a large amount of food to be distributed throughout the week.
2: Mm, to be fair, as an anti-sandwich person, every time I pack my lunch, that's the only way I do it. So. That's
1: what I do too. But you, but you, you would say, um, you know, I, I didn't prep food for the week, so every night I've been packing a lunch at night. But you would not say, so every night I've been meal prepping. Like meal Ooh, prepping. See,
2: I, I didn't know, that. This is yeah. That's a that's true usually the way it's used. My ignorance of the English language. I told you I
1: only speak half a language. So if you meal prep, you probably eat healthier. If you if you do like last minute lunch packs, you're probably. So healthier.
2: if I buy a half gallon of ice cream at the beginning of the week and eat a little
1: bit every day as I meal. Prep? How do you how do you prepare the ice cream? Um, with a spoon. <laughs> well, that sounds like packing. <laughs> it sounds like you're doing that each day. Now, if you if you were to prepare the ice cream like melted in some way and store it in small small jars, then maybe I could get behind this
2: a- astronaut style.
1: I I have gotten behind this idea though. This like let's have a bajillion things throughout the day. So I I've been doing uh, get to work, drink an iced coffee, drink a fruit smoothie, uh, drink a V eight, a, a lot of beverages in the morning, a lot of hydration, um, and then do like my actual chicken and rice meal and then later in the day do, like, hummus and carrots or something. And I think that has made me feel better. So I I would prefer if I didn't have to waste so much time. And you eat breakfast at home, right? Yeah. But because of the food coma issue and because I can't just hibernate after the first hyena, I just (laughs) just constantly have to be doing this.
0: (laughs) I'm going to throw out another one just real quick and then, you know, go from there. But uh, Che Guevara. It's kind of funny Chey if you have Guevara, a Che Guevara
2: Chey, Chey or have
0: Guevara. if Che Guevara, if you had, if you ever have had a Che Guevara poster, it's just so ironically mocking everything Che Guevara has ever stood for. So um, that that's just something I've been thinking about. But I
1: couldn't tell you a single thing about Che Guevara except that you two appear to disagree on how to pronounce his name, and I'm not even sure what you're doing differently.
0: Well, I, I'm not sure what we're doing differently either. <laughs> that's either. because I was
1: repeating it
2: the way Matt was saying it.
1: Oh, how would you say it? Che. Che. Okay. So yes. so che. Uh. But I could be
2: wrong. Uh, che Guevara is the second Bolivar, and I don't live in South America, and Matt does. So I could certainly be wrong.
1: Why don't Why do we brief? No, Eve no, no. no. That, that, that's the like it. culturally appropriated name of
0: Che Guevara is Che Guevara. That's uh, how you pronounce it. Name on a poster. So. Uh,
1: why, why yeah, don't we brief so, me on who this guy is and why people have posters of him?
0: Uh, yeah. Well, he's uh, he's like a communist revolutionary that was really involved in the Cuban revolution okay. uh, and then um, ended up being killed in Bolivia after trying to start a revolution there as well. But uh, a very ardent communist. And so it's just rather funny that since his death, rather funny in kind of a, I don't know, twisted way that since his death, he's turned into this image that people can... Uh, make a lot of money by putting his face on something and then selling it to people like a poster for a freshman in college. You think they're really cool and don't really know what Jacob Ayer stands for.
2: Yeah, but I mean, like, as someone who is not morally opposed to communism, I don't think it works. Um, But not morally opposed to it, Like I think it's clear that a lot of communist leaders and countries kind of stray pretty far from the Marxist ideal, you know? Like, even if chad did endorse those t-shirts in real life which he didn't he would not be the he'd be far from the only communist leader who found a way to profit very comfortably
0: yeah but the the fact that corporations systematically can find ways to profit off of stealing his face and putting it on things is just like a complete whole nother level yeah. which definitely contradicts any kind of uh applied form of of communism also yeah
1: this is, i i'm with you matt I, the irony is not lost on me because it's it's like uh, the whole point of having the poster is endorsement of the ideals, right? It's not like these people are friends with this dude. Like, they're, they're like, espousing his ideology, presumably. And they're like, this is why we, we need to, like, remember Che, this Che guy. And we need to have him on our walls. And by doing so and paying for the poster, like, yeah, that's exactly defeating the point.
0: So if you want a uh, Che Guevara poster on your wall, you've got to make it yourself.
1: <laughs> or a or friend has to give all. it to you for free. For the government,
0: <laughs> for the government, the government has to get a for free.
1: Yeah. I think Donald Trump would get behind that. Yeah, I'm sure. That <laughs> sounds right <laughs> in his alley. Uh, uh, anybody have anything okay. else they want to talk about? We've been going for a while, but we could probably do one or two more.
2: I don't think any of the topics I have listed can top the one hyena per day conversation. So,
1: pretty good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's the peak. The pinnacle. Yeah, I'm good. Ethan, you got anything? or
1: No, uh, next time we talk I wanna just complain about post offices, but, you know, I know that sounds exciting, but we'll have to, <laughs> we'll have to wait.
0: Did you say post offices? Yeah. Oh, I, I, uh, I just wish I had a post
1: office, but that's another story. Alright, we've got me started. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Can't help myself, we're talking post offices. <laughs> I hate post offices. I hate banks and I hate post offices, and not because I'm like a conspiracy theorist that thinks the bank is keeping your money and like never going to give it back to you or that it's some kind of institution that has it out for you. No, it's because they keep the hours that you are at work. Like, what? How could we possibly expect an institution to do anything for us when all it does is serve customers in person? Because, of course, these are also two businesses that are 30 years behind the times on the internet. And they're never open when you're not at work. Like, it's insane. And what do these two things have in common? They're both, like, I consider this kind of the same thing. They're both, like, either government-run or uh, very distant from the consumer because it's really difficult to start up a competitor. And, like, there's no way the post office can ever have competitors, and banks are basically not getting any real-life competitors. Like, there's some, like, weird online banks, but no one takes them seriously. The best
2: part is that if you, like, try to do a funds transfer between accounts electronically on a friday night it may not take effect until monday because
1: the computer's got to take a weekend (laughs) yeah (laughs) the internet is down between saturday and sunday (laughs) i
0: i don't understand why you would need to go into really either of those places
1: well unfortunately the generation before us still thinks that physical mail is useful in some ways (laughs) another another thing i don't understand outside of our generation and so you have to send them things periodically and that requires buying stamps and only recently did i learn you can buy stamps somewhere other than the post office. yes
2: yes so one i will say that i do enjoy letter writing but that sounds like something that someone who doesn't have a twitter would say and <laughs> the
0: us i like i'll back you up on that for
2: online a shopping but, for stamps yeah. bit of a game changer i recently ordered 200 stamps probably the only time in my life i'll ever do that and it really allowed me to experiment with some variety like um Sally Ride stamps, Father Ted Hesburgh stamps, ice cream stamps, c- taco stamps. Like, that's – I don't know. If that's not consumer's choice at its finest, I really don't know what it
1: is. I do appreciate you bringing this up, Fernando, because it makes the rest of my rant look less boring. <laughs>
0: <laughs> taco stamps. Yeah, it'll be really cool. It'll be really cool when you pass off
1: 195 of those 200 stamps <laughs> to your grandkids. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly luckily <laughs> they sell forever stamps now yes
2: so that's it's, it's an investment deal. Really. you could resell them for like, <laughs> <laughs> um, i do totally agree with you Ethan. like it yeah like why would you have a bank open from nine to like at
1: nine a.m on a workday no yeah sense. it's all we ask them to do too like banks in particular like i need to withdraw physical cash from you like that is the only reason you're left to you exist. know in
2: some parts of the world they have these new devices that are called automated
1: uh automated teller machines and um i don't know if you're familiar with the acronym atm but yeah no i mean obviously yeah but that doesn't help you when you need to deposit money i know there's like a convoluted way you can do it there but they haven't removed the friction of doing it in atm and also the the greatest inconvenience for me is i live in a building where i need to pay for laundry with quarters there's only one way you're gonna leave the bank with 50 quarters and it's to take a day off work to go show (laughs) up while they're open it's just insane
0: that 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 seems like a laundry problem more than a bank problem i'm not
1: gonna tell you the laundry's good but it's not that big a deal my laundry machines
0: well not mine my apartment
2: complex is recently converted to a credit card and do i care that they're stealing my credit card
1: information no because (laughs) it is so much better than going to the bank (laughs) yeah (laughs) take all my money I'm with you there. There's there's two problems here, but there are other things in the world that take quarters, and that's n- probably not going to change. And yeah, a gumball we... machine. But well, you guys, yes, exactly.
0: You, you guys know where uh, the rest of our um our, our coins have gone? Where the majority of our coins have gone? To Ecuador because they use the U.S. dollar there, but it's like a it's like a like a very coin based society, and so they have <laughs> like all of our dollar coins, uh, fifty
1: cent coins
0: lot of quarters. So. <laughs> That's so
1: random, but so, really yeah. interesting, actually. So is their currency yeah. pegged to the dollar, or is it actually that they, the dollar is their currency?
0: No, I want to say in, like, the early, like, maybe 2000, they uh, abandoned their currency because it was so dependent on uh, the price of oil. Mm. Um, and they completely adopted the U.S. dollar. And, it, like, the entire country lost two-thirds of their wealth <laughs> uh, because it was like a they, – they just went to the reserve and, and converted all over. But this sounds – this this sounds again a little too informative for this podcast here, so yeah, I don't
1: want you know, that straight away. From it. Oh man, well that is good to know. All right, that's all I got. Yeah. I you know I only have so much rant in me.
2: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm exactly. glad. <laughs> yeah, me was too. Here. I think that was really important. So I'm glad we got that out.
1: Yeah,
0: well, listeners, tell uh, let us know who um, who your favorite uh, rantor was today and why it was me. So and think, also, if uh, you know anyone who enjoys
2: you. listening to something that's not informative? only occasionally funny and very distracted send this podcast to them
1: i think today's poll is was today's podcast too entertaining <laughs> too informative or too cathartic let us know
2: <laughs> <laughs> all right bye That's everyone Guys, awesome,
1: see ya